You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. All right, so uh, Pastor Al is, uh, like Pastor Ben said, he's gone at the marriage retreat with some couples uh, today, and so I get the privilege of sharing with you all this morning. Um, next week, Pastor Al is going to be back, and he's going to be talking about a series entitled, Who's Your One? And the series is based on evangelism. It's all about evangelism, and you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. Um, but he wanted me to get you excited for that. He wanted me to get you kind of kind of revved up and ready for Who's Your One series starting next week. And so when he comes back, make sure that you tell him, hey, we're excited for what you have, all right? Do me a solid, okay? Just let him know you're excited. Um, last time I was up here, I uh, had a door over here. I don't know if anyone remembers it, um, but I spoke about crossing thresholds, and we talked about um, the story of Peter going into Cornelius's house and sharing the gospel um, with the people that were there. And so while I was preparing for today, a few weeks ago, I was like, man, I wish I would have saved that. I'm like, that would have been perfect for right before Who's Your One. And so if you did miss that message or you have no idea what I'm talking about, um, you can check it out on our YouTube channel or on Facebook. It was entitled Maceo Day. Man, I encourage you, check it out. It's a perfect precursor um, to what Pastor Al is going to be bringing next week. Um, but this morning, I wanted to build a little bit off of that message. But don't worry if you forgot it because it was four months ago or you weren't here. That's okay. You're still going to get a lot out of the message today. Um, and so as we get in there, lean in with me, take notes, and stay engaged into what the Word of God has for us this morning. But briefly, I want to talk about mirrors. Anybody have a mirror in their house? Everybody have a mirror in their house? Uh, mirrors are great tools. As a matter of fact, just the other day I was working on uh, a hot tub, and I had a mirror on one of these sticks trying to see underneath where the leak was coming from. They're great. Mirrors are fantastic tools um, they allow us to see ourselves when we get dressed. How many of y'all looked in the mirror this morning before you showed up to church? I bet you everybody. And some of y'all, I even know, went in the mirror while you were here to check out yourself. Make sure you're looking good, right? Mirrors allow us to check ourselves, look at the outside of us, check for pimples, shave, do our makeup. Um, they allow us to see angles that aren't directly in front of us because, you know, we can only see in front of us. So when you're driving, if you know how to your, use your mirrors, um, some people don't. But if you know how to use your mirrors, they're a special tool to allow you to see around your vehicle, make sure you're not going to run over anything, back up into anything. Um, mirrors are also used in telescopes, um, along with lenses, to be able to view stars and planets and um, different things out in the galaxy. The mirror is arguably one of the best inventions that mankind has ever created. The mirror is awesome. It's used for so many different purposes. A new survey indicates that people spend an average of 35 to 55 minutes in front of a mirror every single day looking at their reflection. Whether you're standing, getting ready, whether you're passing by, whether you're driving in your car, the, the odds are you're going to see yourself 35 to 55 minutes in a mirror each day. And with all this time spent on seeing the outward reflection, the physical reflection of who we are, I think it's important that we hold up a mirror to examine the internal reflection of ourself. What are we reflecting internally? What's coming out of us? Not necessarily what we look like, but what is coming out of us, what's flowing out of us when we look in the mirror. 
um, we should look beyond those physical characteristics. Here's my answer, okay? When we look in a mirror, what, we, what should we see beyond physical characteristics? When you look in a mirror, when I look in a mirror, what should we see beyond our physical attributes? Here's the answer. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. Our sole purpose in life is to be a reflection of Jesus Christ in the world in which we live. Wherever you go, wherever you are, whatever circle of influence God has placed you in at your job, at your school, at your work, whatever you're doing, your sole purpose is to be a reflection of Jesus Christ in the world in which we live, no matter where that is. You and I were created in Genesis 1 to mirror the very image of God. We were created in the image of God. Jesus came in the New Testament and he lived among us and he showed us a clear example of how God would live among men. In James, he talks about how trials polish and refine us the same way a silversmith would refine silver until he could look down and see a reflection of himself. And so let me say it again. As a Christian, my sole purpose in life is to do one thing, be a reflection of Jesus Christ to the world in which we live. If you do nothing else in your life, that is your sole purpose. No matter what you do, that's it. That's it. That's the only thing that you have to do in this life as a Christian is live, die, and be a reflection of Jesus Christ. And so today I want to look at what it looks like to be a proper reflection of Jesus. There's a lot of characteristics and qualities about Jesus that we can reflect to other people around us. Um, this morning, I want to look at just one of those, the most notable characteristics, the one that I think, if we're truly going to reach the world with the gospel, if we're truly going to evangelize in our circles of influence, if we're going to reflect Jesus Christ, we have to have this trait. We have to have this character, and that tr character trait is compassion. We have to have compassion. Out of all things that Jesus modeled, the number one thing that I see him modeling in the scriptures is compassion. And if I could sum up this whole message into one phrase, it would be this. Christ-like compassion is love in action. Christ-like compassion is love in action. But we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that and talk about it. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. As you're getting there, I want to set up a little bit of the context of this story. Earlier on in the chapter, or earlier on in the book, while the disciples are out doing ministry, Jesus continues his personal ministry. During this time, Jesus receives some terrible news that John the Baptist, his friend, his cousin, a prophet who proclaimed him as the Messiah, had been beheaded by King Herod just because an attractive, alluring girl asked for it. All right, so that's what we're picking up. Jesus is dealing with grief in his life in this moment, right? Right before we pick up into this text, he's dealing with grief. He's, uh, he, and we're about to see that he's hungry and he's tired. Verse 30, the, apost uh, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. 
And by this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said, we have five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them as well. They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Most of you guys know this story. You've heard this story. It's the feeding of the 5,000. And so as Jesus is dealing with grief, he's tired, he's hungry, he gets his disciples, he says, hey, let's go across to a, a, a desolate place, to a place where we can get some food and we can be energized and we can rest. And they're going across the Sea of Galilee and all these great crowds of people are in the area. They heard Jesus was nearby. And so they ran ahead to him, bringing their friends and relatives And when the boat landed on the other side, Jesus saw all the men, women, and children, and he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. Jesus is on the north shore of Galilee, and he has been teaching this massive group of people all day. As a result of that, the people are very hungry and very tired. And Jesus and the disciples are even more hungry and more tired because they were going to go take care of that stuff. But all these people showed up, and so now they're they're ministering to these people. And as a result, everybody is hungry, hungry and tired. And on top of that, the disciples and Jesus are dealing with grief. There's a lot going on here. Like, you, you, you don't understand. You hear the reading of the 5,000, and, and you kind of gloss over the context of what's happening. Where, where is Jesus and disciples' hearts at? What are, they, what are they wrestling with in life at this moment? And, and we know they're wrestling with grief. They're hungry, and they're tired. And at the end of the day, Jesus, is while he's teaching, Jesus and the disciples see a problem. And so that's the first thing that Christ-like compassion does. It recognizes a problem. Christ-like compassion recognizes a problem. How many of you see a problem at home, at work, in our city, in our state, our nation, our world? How many of y'all know someone in here or someone in your life who is struggling, they're hurting, they're hungry, they're tired, And you think that there's nothing you can really do. Jesus and the disciples saw the problem. And the problem in this situation was that the people are hungry and tired. Doesn't that reflect our culture today? People being hungry and tired. People who are hungry for attention. The latest and greatest things. The iPhone 13 came out just recently. They want likes and followers on social media. Uh, more of this or more of that. They're, they're hungry. They're tired. They're pursuing the things of this world. They're not being a reflection of Jesus Christ. They're pursuing the, world, the things of this world. And the disciples and Jesus see this problem. And uh, people in our lives, people around us, have this problem. They're, they're searching for something that's never really going to fulfill them. It's never going to make them not hungry. Several times in Jesus' ministry on earth, we see him on his way to do something, right? There's, there's a ton of stories in the New Testament, in the Gospels, where Jesus is on his way to do something, to heal somebody, to raise someone from the dead, to cast out demons, or simply sit down and eat a meal with somebody. 
In this case, he was tired and he was on his way to eat and rest for himself. And he's on his way and has a mission, but something or someone stops him because as a compassionate individual, he recognizes problems. Listen, we cannot be so inwardly focused, focused on ourselves, focused on our own personal agendas, that we don't see and we don't recognize the problems that people around us are dealing with. We've got to be aware we, we, we can't be tunnel vision and have our blinders on and just be focused about what do I have to do today or what, what, what do I need to do. we got to realize that as Christians, as people who should be a reflection of Jesus Christ, we need to recognize the problems around us. Sometimes that's people being hungry and tired. Sometimes it's someone who needs to hear the gospel, who needs to know the story of Jesus. Sometimes it's providing something else for some. Sometimes it's stopping and hugging somebody and praying for them, or putting your hand on their shoulder and saying, hey, I'm here for you. It's sending a text message saying, hey, I know you're struggling with this, but I'm praying for you, and if you need something, I'm here. Jesus and the disciples recognized a problem. They recognized that there was a problem. So the 5,000 are hungry, they're tired, that's the problem, right? They recognize the problem, but secondly, they offer a solution. Christ-like compassion offers a solution. And there's a couple different ideas on the solution here in the text to solve this problem. There's distinctly two different ideas that two groups of people come up with that here's how we're going to solve the problem. The first one is the disciples' solution. The disciples, being men and being, you know, normal men, they just come up with the first thing in their mind. Sometimes we do that too. Uh, The solution the disciples come up with is send them away so they can go get something to eat. Right? Send them away. We, we, we don't want to handle it. We don't want to deal with it. Send them away so they can get something to eat. Their solution is to send the problem away. That's the solution that disciples come up with. How many times in our lives does God give us an opportunity and we push that opportunity away thinking that I don't have what it takes to even put a dent in the problem? We see a problem and we push it away because we're not talented enough. We don't think we're smart enough. We don't think we have enough money. We're not experienced enough. How many times do we do that? We, 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 we just say, okay, I'm going I'm to just push the problem out of my mind. or you know, Because here's the thing. Some of us are pretty good at recognizing problems. But how many of us are offering a solution? How many of us are saying, here's what I have. Take it and, and use it for God's glory. But the disciples say, push it away. Don't deal with it. Here was what Jesus' response was. Jesus offers a different solution. He says, you give them something to eat. Now, I want you to put yourselves in the disciples' feet, in their shoes, right now, in this moment. You're standing before Jesus and in front of 5,000-plus people because there was 5,000 men, so we know there was a lot more. So if you figure, man, about every man maybe had a woman and had a few kids, you know, we're looking at anywhere from 10 to 12,000 people. You know, there's like 300 to 350 in this room. So imagine 10 to 12,000 people. That's almost half of Lima. Lima's 38,000 people. So you're standing in front of all these people, and you're you're looking at Jesus, and Jesus points at you and says, you feed them. I can imagine there's going to be a little anxiety in your heart. There's going to be a little anxiety in your mind. You're going to be taken back a little bit, and you're going to be like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do this. You can imagine the disciples in this moment are talking to each other, and there might even be arguing and a rebuttal amongst each other because they're trying to figure out how are we going to do what Jesus is asking us to do Um, But Jesus asked an important question at this moment. 
While, while there's this rebuttal going on, while the disciples are trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to do? Jesus asks a question, and he says, what do you have? What do you have? He asked the disciples to take an inventory of what they had. Oftentimes, when we get put into a situation and we recognize a problem and we think of a solution, right, oftentimes we, we, we start listing what we don't have. We start listing, well, we don't have this. Just like the disciples, you want us to go empty our bank account to buy bread for all these people, right? We, we begin to list out all these excuses and all these reasons and all these things of why we can't do what Jesus has asked us to do. But Jesus asks, what do you have? And disciples, they get together, they take an inventory, they find this junior high boy who has five loaves and two fish, and I don't know how they do it, but they get this junior high boy to give up his food. Y'all ever tried to take food from a junior high boy? It ain't easy. Um, but the disciples get this guy, they, he gives them five loaves, two bread, two, uh, two fish, he gives up his meal, and Jesus takes what they have. He takes what they have. He doesn't look at it and say, that's not good enough. Go figure something else out. He doesn't look at them like they're idiots. He asked them, what do you have? And so they took an inventory. They said, this is what we have. And they brought it to Jesus. And Jesus blessed it and multiplied it. Jesus took the little bit that they had, and he blessed it, and he multiplied it. Jesus knows what we have. He's given us everything that we have, our talents, our abilities, our finances, our resources, whatever we have in our life, Jesus knows what we have. And he's asked us to bring it to him and trust him to do a miracle. To bring it to him and trust him that he can bless it and he can multiply it. He wants us to have faith in what he can do with what seems little to us. And so compassion, Christ-like compassion, recognize the problem. It offers a solution. And thirdly, it moves us to action. It moves us to action. You know, there, there's a lot of times where, you know, I might be driving through town or walking through Walmart or, or whatever, and I see a problem. And a lot of times I can come up with some kind of solution. But the thing is, do I move to action? Do I actually put feet to the method, and do I do it? Am I going to do it? That's where we're at right here. The disciples are standing there. They're facing Jesus, and as he hands them pieces of bread and fish, he says, go feed them. Now, imagine you're standing there in front of Jesus. You've gave these five loaves and two fish to him, and he's broken those five loaves and those two fish into several pieces, and he gives them to you. He may give you, like, you know, this much bread maybe this much fish, and you've got it in your hand, because these guys didn't have, like, catering carts, okay? They weren't working out like waiters. They've got this little bit of bread, a little bit of fish, and he says, you go feed them. He's put it, he, you've given what you have to him. Disciples have given what they have to him. Now he has bre broken it, and is about to bless it and multiply it, and he puts it back in your hands and says, here, now you distribute it. Now you take it out. Now you put it into action, and there comes a moment for the disciples, a moment of decision, and they have to decide, are we going to stand here and continue to hold on to the bread and fish and just look at Jesus and say thank you and receive more bread and more fish and say thank you and receive more bread and more fish? Are we just going to sit here, kind of like we're all doing right now in this room, are we just going to sit here, keep receiving things from Jesus and just keep receiving 
and become spiritually obese, or are we going to put it into action? Are we going to step up, step outside, and give it away and distribute it? And so the disciples have this moment, and they, des- they decide that they're going to distribute it. And so they turn around, and they face the problem with a little bit that they have, trusting in Jesus to do a miracle. Listen, you can sit on a boat the rest of your life, but you're never going to walk on water unless you go overboard. And so you have the moment where you have to make a decision. If you're going to mirror Christ-like compassion to the world in which you live, you're going to have to turn around and face the problem with a little bit that you have. Sometimes it might just be a couple dollars. Sometimes it might just be the message of Jesus. Did you catch that? Just be the message of Jesus? That's a pretty big deal. Sometimes it might be something else. Are you going to turn around and you're going to face the problem with the little bit that you have and trust Jesus to bless it and multiply it? And so maybe you decide, all right, I'm going to do it. Maybe after these, these, this next series or in the coming weeks as Pastor Al talks about evangelism, you know, you might get fired up and say, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm ready. And you go out and you give somebody something, you give them the fish, the bread, and you're out. And you run out and you're like, where's the rest? And you turn back to Jesus and you go get more. You get more bread, you get more fish, and you go out and you distribute it, right? You, then you run out, you go get more. And, it's, and eventually, you've met the needs of five, 10, 20, a hundred, and by this time, by this time you've met a hundred people's needs, you're on fire. You're like, Jesus is performing a miracle right now, and I'm part of it. And you begin running back and forth and running down the aisles of these people, and you're running to Jesus and saying, more bread, more fish, and you're running back, and you're just going back and forth, and you're meeting people's needs, and you're excited about it because you, you took that decision, and you took that moment of decision, and you moved to action. You took that moment and you said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm ready. And you stepped forward and you did it. And after a few people, you get the hang of it. You get good at it. And you realize God is using me to perform a miracle in in other people's lives. And it becomes contagious. And it becomes addictive. And you're just like, man, this is, I'm jacked up. It's like, man, you think you get excited about an Ohio State football game? When you go out and share the gospel with people and you start doing it a little few times and you start seeing people give their life and you start seeing their eyes opening and you start understanding that um, people are, are going from death to life, you're going to get excited. You're going to be like, this is awesome. Listen, I, and a pause note on the message. Uh, this is a sidetrack. Um, but, hold on, let me think. All right. Uh, you guys are in the best place ever to share the gospel. You're, you, 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 you're in, the, the, in your circle of influence, wherever you work, wherever you live. We, t- we kind of talked about this. I'm building off of that message from four months ago. You have the perfect place to share the gospel. I'm a pastor. I come sit in an office about at least half to three quarters of the week, right? My job is to train people. My job is to encourage people, people like y'all right? But you are out in the world. You work a nine-to-five job at uh, wherever, Waffle House, I don't know, McDonald's. Maybe it's, I don't know, somewhere, wherever you work. You're there. You're in the world. You're able to, people are able to, to interact with you more on a, a day-to-day basis. And 
because of that, we have to ask ourselves two things. Number one, are people seeing Jesus in me? Am I being a reflection of Jesus Christ to the people? And number two, am I sharing the gospel with these people? If, if you, sometimes I'll be walking around, I don't know, Meyer, Walmart, wherever. I go to Meyer, Walmart a lot, but, and I, I just see people, and you just know that they don't know Jesus. And it's not because of the way they dress. It's not because of the way they smell. It's because of how you can see them interact with people, how they yell at a cashier or they get frustrated about this. Or I was at the fair a while back, and there was a guy who got his drink spilled by a little boy because he'd put it on the ground, and he freaked out and cussed out the mom. And, and my heart breaks for the kid, for the mom, for the guy cussing the mom out because I know these people probably don't know Jesus. Is your heart that way? Do you, do you walk around and do you, does it almost bring you to tears or sometimes bring you to tears because you know people in your life who are dying and going to hell? Y'all have more of an opportunity than I ever will as a pastor to share the gospel because of where you work, because of the people you're around. Are you taking advantage of it? Are you living and being a reflection of Jesus Christ and are you sharing the message of the gospel, not with just the way you're living, but with your words? All right, let's get back to the message. So you have this moment, you, you make the decision, right? We've talked about it, you, you're feeding people, you, you've shared the gospel with people, it becomes addictive, you get excited about it, because in this moment you realize a little in the hands of, a lot, a little in the hands of Jesus is a lot. A little in the hands of Jesus is a lot. And so if you and I are going to share the gospel with people, if we're going to be a, a, a good reflection of Jesus Christ in the world in which we live, we have to reflect Christ-like compassion by recognizing the problems, by not being so inwardly focused, not so focused on what's going on around us, but, reali but, but realizing what's happening in other people's lives. Chick-fil-A has a video that I came out with a few years ago. It's called Everyone Has a Story. If you get a moment, look it up on YouTube. Chick-fil-A, everybody has a story. And the point of the video is they go around with a camera in a restaurant and they show individual people and they say their story in a little, you know, bubble that comes up on the screen. It's like single mom working three jobs and bringing her kids to Chick-fil-A or like it just goes on and it tells all these stories about what's happening in these people's lives. And the purpose of that is Chick-fil-A knows that they can be a blessing to these people when they step foot into their restaurant. Listen, you and I are stepping foot into the world each and every day. Are we being a blessing to people? Are we listening to their stories? Or are we so focused on our to-do list and so focused on what needs to happen in our life and the money that we need to make and the things that we need to do that we don't even pay attention to the story of people around us? We have to recognize and see the problems around us. We have to offer the whatever we have. Everybody in here has something to offer Jesus, something to offer other people that can allow you to be a reflection of Jesus to the world. And so we have to recognize a problem, we have to offer a solution, and we have to move to action. We have to take a step forward, maybe two steps, and say, I'm ready. When I talked about four months ago, stepping through the door, going across the threshold, you have to be ready to do that. 
There's going to be thresholds. There's going to be things in your life that you're going to have to cross, things that are going to be uncomfortable because people on the other side of the door are dying and going to hell. And that should break your heart. And if it doesn't, you need to check yourself. Maybe you're in here this morning and you're saying, I'm tired. I'm hungry. I need the bread of life. You're saying, I, I, I need Jesus. I want what Jesus is offering me. A, a, a bread and a, a fulfillment and, a, and a, a, a fulfillment that will never end. I will never be hungry again for the things of this world. Maybe you're in here this morning and that's you and you're saying, I'm ready to be filled. I'm ready to not hunger for the things of this world, but I'm ready to be filled by Jesus. You can do that by number one, admitting that you have sinned. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Admit that you've sinned. Admit to, to God that you've messed up. And secondly, believe in Jesus. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so admit that you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus. Believe in his, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And lastly, confess it publicly. Romans 10, 9, 10 says, For if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Listen, Jesus is a bread of life. He can fulfill every desire in your life. When we seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be taken care of. And so if you don't know Jesus or if you don't, or you're not being filled up with the bread of life on a regular basis, man, I encourage you in a moment, we're going to sing one of my favorite songs. And I want to encourage you, just stand up, come forward. I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to pray for you. We'll have some other pastors down here as well. If you don't want to come up during this time, you can talk to somebody out there. You can send us a, a, a direct message on Facebook or Instagram or however you want to do it. If you're watching online, put it in the chat. Don't miss out on the bread of life. Go ahead and stand and let me pray and then we'll do business with God. Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, stand before you, God, trusting you, Lord, asking for you to help us show what it looks like to have Christ-like compassion, that we would be aware of the things around us, that we would recognize the problems, and God, that we would offer whatever we have to be a solution, and God, that we would be moved to action, and we would take a step forward in doing what you've called us to do. Maybe right now, Lord, it's that step of action is just stepping out of a pew and coming and praying. Maybe it's praying for somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Maybe it's praying for something somebody in this room is struggling with. Maybe it's grabbing a friend that they know is struggling with something and bringing them forward and saying, God, we want you to do a miracle in this. And we're trusting you and we're bringing forward what we have. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit will work in this moment and in this time. God, I pray these things in your name, Father. Amen. Touching every heart, I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every 
encouraged through God's word, through the message this morning, and I hope that as you leave here today and you go out into the world, wherever it is, I know some of y'all are going to eat at Texas Roadhouse after this, Bob Evans, wherever, La Charita, all right, be a reflection of Jesus in the world in which we live, and be ready to show compassion towards individuals. Remember that there's enough pain, there's enough hurt. And there's enough bad things in our life attacking us that people need some compassion in their life. They need us, Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, to show them what that looks like. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you again. God, in this moment, and Lord, we ask that you would be, uh, that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to us. And God, as people are popping into our minds that maybe we, we didn't show compassion towards this week. Maybe we didn't show compassion towards this morning or yesterday. And God, maybe we need to ask for forgiveness for that. But God, as we leave here, it's a new hour. It's a new day. Tomorrow is a new week. And God, I pray that we would step forward in trusting you and showing compassion towards individuals, fulfilling problems with what we have, and being moved to action. Lord, we pray these things in your name, Father. Amen. I love you guys, and you're free to go. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.